Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Good, good. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. And I just want to know, am I the only one that noticed the, the ladybug up on the screen? Anybody who saw that ladybug? I was thinking during worship, how am I going to climb up on the drums and get that out of the way? So praise God, the ladybug is gone. If it shows up again, just just try to ignore it. Try to ignore it. Um, uh, Just a reminder, we are having our annual business meeting after service, after this service here in the auditorium. We're going to just talk about our finances, where our money went last year, what our budget is for this next coming year. Um, It's really kind of boring if you don't like numbers, but we are going to talk about, as Lyndon uh, alluded to, where our 10% has gone this past year. So if that interests you, you may want to come and suffer through the meeting just to see that one slide and see where the 10% has gone. So anyway, that's, that's right after service. It won't be a super long meeting. So my wife, Rose, is in Florida uh, right now. She flew down on Thursday. I'm picking her up from the airport tomorrow. She's visiting her sister Let's all go, oh, you know, she's down in Florida. That's too bad, you know? Um, but I'm really happy for her that she gets to spend this time with family, and it's, it's warmer there than it is here, but not much. Today is going to be a nice day. Um, but I'll tell you what, it's been rough for me. All right, it's been rough on me. I've been, I've been sad. And there we go. I went, oh, you know? But, but the reason is mostly because I'm an extrovert. All right, if you look at the Myers-Briggs test, I'm an ESTJ, and so I like being around people. And so Rose being gone and having the house be mostly empty the whole couple of days, I'm like, man, when is she coming back? You know, I just, I just need to be around someone. Now, she's an introvert, so things are a little bit different on how we see the world. So there's a big difference. Um, I want to talk about this. So extroverts get energy from being around people. All right, so I get energy like when we're all here today. This is, this is fun for me. I'll be physically tired after preaching a couple of services, but, but I'm excited. I'm energized that you guys are all here. Introverts get energy from being alone. So that's a little different, right? That's a little bit different. There's a couple of woohoos out there, right? But the opposite is true as well. Introverts are drained from being around a lot of people, So on a weekend, so I'm excited. I leave here. I'm jazzed. Rose comes home and she says, I've been around enough people. I don't want to talk to you for two days. That's all right. Just maybe a day and a half, Steve, you know. But she's like, I'm ready to just be alone, get a little bit of alone time. Um, But extroverts are drained from being alone. So it's, it's hard for me to have Rose in Florida and to be alone. In fact, last night, I, uh, I was like, man, I got to do something with somebody. So I called up my buddy, Ron, and said, hey, Ron, you want to go to Aldi's? <laughs> Ron goes, sure, because his wife's down in Florida, too. And so I was like, yeah. So we went to Aldi's. Two bachelor guys on a Saturday night went to Aldi's to buy peanut butter. That's what, that's what we did last night. Introverts and extroverts. Yeah. So a question for you today, is God an introvert or an extrovert? You want to think about it, Steve? (laughs) But no, I agree with Steve. I would say that God is both. God is both. 
Because God loves it when we all gather together like this. Scripture says, Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. All right, so when we gather together in the name of Jesus, he shows up. He's like, hey, there's a party going on. I want to be there. Let's show up. So that's what God, he loves it when we gather together. But at the same time, he loves those quiet one-on-one times with us. When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he said, but when you go, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So God loves when we all get together and praise and worship him. But I would submit to you, he also loves it when we steal off by ourselves and spend one-on-one time with him. So we're going to be talking about that today. So, um, but today we're, we're continuing our message series called Witness, Seeking Connection with Our Heavenly Father. And to define witness, because it's a strange word, it is the state or fact of being close to or connected with someone or something. So it's a message series about being close to our Heavenly Father. And last week, we taught about fasting. And uh, the title of the message was Fasting, Sacrificing Comfort, for connection. And when we fast, when we abstain from food and things that we like to be closer to God, he shows up. And I can tell you, many of us, this is our second day of fasting. So we started a all-church 21-day fast, um, not all from food for the whole 21 days, but many of us are taking different days throughout this 21-day period and fasting completely from food for a full 24 hours. And uh, they've written their names out there on the calendar. So every day, we have people fasting and praying for our church and for our community. That's an exciting thing. And we also have many people who are fasting for the entire 21 days from social media or caffeine. Uh, Many people have taken on the Daniel fast, which is fasting from everything except for fruits and vegetables and nuts. And, uh, And so it's been an exciting time for our church during this 21 day period. But fasting is one of those ways that we can draw closer to God. But also, when we take time in silence and solitude, that is a time that we can draw close to our Heavenly Father. Ecclesiastes 3.7 says, There is a time to be silent and a time to speak. So we're going to actually be talking about prayer, time to speak, in our next message series, but today we're going to be talking about there is a time to simply be silent, to be silent with God. It's a spiritual discipline. There's a book called Celebration of Discipline by Richard J. Foster, and if you're interested in spiritual disciplines, this is the best book I've found on the topic. But in there, this is a quote from Richard J. Foster. He says, there is an old proverb to the effect that all those who open their mouths close their eyes. The purpose of silence and solitude is to be able to see and hear. So when we take time to be alone with God and to be silent, that's when our eyes are opened. That's when our ears are open. We get to see the things of God. We get to hear his voice. But it's in those times of being silent. Many times, 
I don't know about you, but I'll, I'll, I'll spend time alone with God. But during the entire time, it's just a one-way conversation, you know? And, and that's biblical. It's called supplication when we are making our requests known to God. That is a good thing. We're supposed to do that. But we're also supposed to spend time alone with God in silence. Just spending time listening. We probably all have those friends that we get together with and we go out for coffee or go out for lunch or have a phone call conversation. And the whole five minutes or an hour, it's just a one-way conversation, right? Like they're, they're just talking the whole time. And then when you walk away, you go, you know, I know a lot about their life, but they don't know much about me. And I think many times in my relationship with God, God will go, yeah, I, I know a lot about what's going on in his heart. He just told me everything. But he never stopped talking long enough to listen to what I have to say. But times of silence and solitude, those are the times that when we can draw alone and actually start to hear what God has to say to us. Now, Jesus practiced this quite often. In fact, as soon as he was baptized, he stole off by himself. In Mark chapter 1, verse 12, it says, At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days. As soon as Jesus was baptized, that was the beginning of his public ministry, the first thing he did was steal off by himself with God for 40 days. And Scripture says he came back in the spirit of power as a result. But that wasn't the last time that Jesus stole off by himself. A few verses later, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He would get up early before the disciples started asking him questions or the people were pressing in to be healed. He would get up before, while everybody else was sleeping and he would steal away and spend time alone with God. But not just in the mornings. Luke chapter 6 says, One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. So he would go out in the morning. He would go out in the evening. In fact, Luke chapter 5 verse 16 says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed went off by himself, and had conversations with God. So as a follower of Jesus, we're supposed to follow what he did. And that's one of the things that he did. He showed us he would go off by himself and spend time alone with God. Now, if you're an introvert, this may be easier for you just to spend time alone. But there is a difference between spending time alone and spending time alone with God, right? Because we can spend time alone and really never even bring God into the conversation. Or we can spend time alone with God. So introverts, this may be easier to spend time alone, but you've got to focus on God. For extroverts like me, this may be difficult to do. It's been a challenge for me most of my life. But as I grow in this, I'm seeing the power of spending time in silence and solitude alone with God. All right, so today we're going to be learning a couple of the benefits of spending time alone with God. We're going to be in uh, the chapter 46 of the book of Psalms. You can turn there if you would like. Now, Psalms is about halfway through the Bible, so if you just pull it open in half, you're probably going to hit one of their chapters, one of the chapters. But Psalm 46 is meant to be sung, okay? It's actually a song 
So I'm going to sing this for us today. No, I'm not. I'm not going to sing it. Yes, that's good. But it's meant to be sung. Charles Spurgeon, a popular Baptist preacher from the 1800s, called it the Song of Holy Confidence. Chapter 46, the Song of Holy Confidence. It's also known as Luther's Psalm. As German theologian and reformist Martin Luther wrote a popular hymn in the 1500s from the psalm called, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. You might recognize that. A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It comes directly from this. Okay, I'll be reading verses 1 through 3 and then 7 through 11. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, And the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Verse 7. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So today's message is titled Silence and Solitude, The Power of Doing Nothing. The Power of Doing Nothing. And I'm going to give us a couple of benefits to silence and solitude. Uh, You can fill these in on your handout, but let me pray first. So God, again, we come to you and we thank you so much for your word that is true. We thank you, Father, that we live in a country where we can read it and talk about it in freedom, Father. It is a privilege to be here. And Lord, I pray that as we study your word today, that you would speak directly to our hearts. God, minister to us. And Lord, I pray that you would give me your words to speak. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so you can fill this in on your handout. When we practice silence and solitude, it helps us to, number one, release control. Release control. Verse 10 says, he says, be still and know that I am God. Scripture says to be still, to be still, to step aside, to stop working, to do nothing. Now, this is, this is hard for some people. This is a hard thing for me. I'm a problem solver. And so if there is a problem in our, our life, if there is a problem in the church, I mean, I think about it. It keeps me up at night. And a couple of months ago, I was uh, dealing with some problem here at the church, and it was keeping me up at night. I'd wake up at like 2 in the morning, and I'd be thinking about it and going, oh, man, trying to find that, that win-win solution, you know, what I'm what I'm saying, and just trying to figure it out. And then on a Sunday morning, I was driving on my way to church, and I was thinking about that problem, trying to, trying to fix it. And I felt like God said to me, hey, Clint, is this now your church? And I was like, oh. And, and it reminded me of when we started the church a year and a half ago. How, we were very clear early on that this was not our church, Rose and I. This was This was God's church. And we were going to make sure that it was God's church all the way. And God was reminding me that that this is his church, not mine, which means that if there's a problem at the church, it's his problem, 
not mine. And I was like, oh, you're right, God. This, this is your church. Therefore, this is, this is your problem. You got a problem here at the church, God. You might want to get on that, you know? And uh, so I, kinda, I did kind of joke around with him. But I'll tell you what, it took a load off of my shoulders. Because I was like, he's got this. This isn't my problem to fix. Now, if he gives me something to do, I need to do it. But I can't figure this out. He can. So when we take time to be silent with God and, and to simply do nothing, see, that's releasing control. Because we're, we're always wanting to do something. We're always wanting to fix this or, or patch that or do whatever. But when we just say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do nothing. And I'm just going to give it to you, God. That's a way of releasing control, giving it to him. This is hard for me because when I grew up, my dad kind of beat into me, hey, son, be productive. Do something, you know? He never once said to me, hey, son, would you just do nothing? I mean, that just wasn't something that came out of his mouth. It was like, do something. Get off your butt. Go do something. And that's what's kind of beat into me. And so my whole life has been, okay, I, I can't just sit and be. I need to be doing something all the time. And there are many, many of us today who feel that way. And I would just tell you, God is saying, stop. Just stop. Just, just be. Don't do. Just, just be. Just sit at my feet. A few summers ago, I went up to Michigan with the intent of just being with God. That was the intent. And, uh, and so I, I packed enough food, and I was backpacking in, and I went up by myself. I was going to do this silence and solitude retreat. And I hiked into this river, set up a campsite, got the fire going, spent the night. The next morning, I got up, made breakfast, and then I sat around the fire, and I said, what do I do now? I'm just, I'm supposed to be here another night. And I said, you know what? I think I'm good. Good God? So I packed up and I went home. I just couldn't even do two nights alone. I couldn't manage it. It's hard. It's hard to not do anything. But my hope is that I'm growing in that. My hope is maybe this summer I'll actually do two nights away by myself. That'll be tough. But I'm going to try. I'm going to try. But when we, when we stop doing and we simply just be in his presence, then we are giving up our control to him. And here's the deal. God is faithful. We just sang those songs this morning. God is faithful. And I believe that there are times when God says, well, it's about time. Thanks for getting out of my way. Let me at this situation. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 17, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So even though we may need to take a break and stop, things are still progressing because our Heavenly Father is always at work, and Jesus is always working. So here's a question for you today. Is there a situation in your life that's got you stressed out? A situation that you've been trying to fix, that you've been worrying about, that you've been making phone calls about, maybe sending emails about, and you're just trying to fix it all the time? 
Well, here's my encouragement to you. This week, just stop it. (laughs) Just stop it and stop everything. Take time just to sit in silence by yourself and give that problem to God. Just say, God, this is, this is yours. I'm, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to think about it. I just want to sit at your feet and just simply be. You can write this down. Progress is made when I choose to let go and let God. Let go and let God. I love that phrase. So that's point number one. When we practice silence and solitude, it helps us to release control. Number two, when we practice silence and solitude, it helps us to give God the glory. To give God the glory. Verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So when we sit still, like he's telling us to, just be still and know that I'm God, God's going to move. And not only is he going to move, but he is going to get the credit for it. Because we didn't do anything, right? We were just sitting there being still. God is going to move on our behalf. That's what he does. He will move on our behalf. And when we get out of the way and we're not part of that solution because he's taking care of it, then he gets all of the glory. Verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. God will move on our behalf. And when he moves, then he gets the credit for it. Many times, I don't know about you, but many times I struggle with taking the credit from God. You know, like, oh God, he might have done something, but in my flesh, I'll go, yeah, I'm glad I did that. You know, I'm glad I did that. But when we sit back and do nothing and God moves, then he gets all of the glory. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to give him all of the glory. Psalm 29, verses 1 and 2, and then 115, verse 1. They say, ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. We're supposed to give God all the glory. We're supposed to give God all the glory. And then 115, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. So when we step back, it's just a reminder that we didn't do anything. There was a a family last summer who uh, had come to the church. They came like three or four times, and then they dropped off. And typically, if someone's been to the church a few times and, uh, and they're missing, I'll remember that and I'll make a phone call and, and you know, say, hey, how are things going? Hopefully they you know, know that they feel cared for, that kind of a thing. But this family dropped off and I just completely forgot it. I, I, I don't know how, but I completely forgot. They weren't on my radar. They didn't get a phone call from me, not an email. And they just didn't come for the next six months. And then over Christmas, I ran into... Uh, their uncle, and uh, he, he asked me about the family. I said, yeah, I haven't seen them. He goes, well, you know, they haven't been to church. Maybe you should give them a call. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> and so I called them and uh, talked to the husband, and he's like, oh, man, this is like perfect timing. Thanks so much for calling. 
But the reality is, and they've come back to the church since then and are doing really well. But the reality of it is this. I didn't do anything in that. You know, but if, if I had remembered and I had made the phone call, see, there's a pride inside of me that kind of reaches up and says, Clint, you're doing a great job connecting people, being pastoral, you know, all that kind of stuff. But like when we do nothing and God moves, I mean, we can't take any of the credit. To God be the glory. To God alone. All right, so solitude and silence. It's a way that we can step back and release control. It's a way that we can step back and allow God to get the glory for all the things that he is doing. Because God is always at work. He's always at work. But it's not easy to do. That's not easy to do. So I have seven ways. I'm going to list those. You can write these in on your handout. Seven different ways that we can practice solitude and silence. Even this week. We can begin this this week. First of all is to get up early. Jesus got up before everybody woke up. If you're married or if you have kids or, you know, even if you're home alone, getting up early before you have to be anywhere or before anyone else wakes up is a great way to spend time alone with God. Secondly is to take a lunch break. It's kind of a trend going on where people are just working through, just kind of skipping lunch. But, you know, take a break. And not only take a break, but actually go out to your car or go out alone somewhere and spend time with God. Do that over your lunch break. A third way is to sneak out before bed. I know that doesn't sound real good, but you should like sneak out before bed, before you go to sleep. Uh, Maybe just go outside and have a quick conversation with God. Look at the stars. If you live alone, you know, maybe you just need to go before you jump into bed. You actually like get down on your knees and spend a little bit of time with him before you go to sleep. A fourth way is to go on walks. This is actually my favorite way to spend time with God because uh, I can't do anything. I'll leave my phone back many times. And so I go for a walk and, and I'm, I'm just like, I can't write things down. I can't do anything. I'm just walking. And those are some of the, my most precious times with God because I'm, I'm kind of at his disposal. I'm by myself, alone with him. Number five is to turn off the radio. Um, I like there to be noise all the time. <laughs> you know, I like to play the radio all the time. And God reminds me of this sometimes. This week I went on a, uh, I had about a half hour drive to meet someone for breakfast and I just turned off the radio and said, okay, God, I'm, I'm yours for this 30 minute drive. What do you want to say? What do you want to say? Number six is at your next home group. So if you're in a home group, I've asked our home group leaders to take time at your next home group, 15 minutes or a half hour and just have a time of silence and solitude and see what God does. If you're not in a home group and would like to be in one, just fill out that connect card. There's a box you can check and just turn that in at the Welcome Center. And then number seven is to visit the prayer room. The prayer room. So on Tuesday nights from 6 to 8 p.m. and then on Thursdays from 11 a.m. till 1, basically over the lunch hour, we open up the church, open up this room, and we just have it as a prayer room, kind of a holy place. And uh, people just come in here by themselves and spend time alone with God. And we play a little bit of worship music. um, But it's not a time of joining together and praying together. This is like a time of solitude and silence. And it's, it's a good place to, sometimes it's hard to do that in your own house, but it's 
better if you go away somewhere. And so we open up the doors for that. Ruth Huffnagel um, has come consistently to the prayer room. and She posted this on social media this week. She said, at Lighthouse Vineyard Church, we have a prayer room. Some may say, we can pray anywhere. Well, this is very true, and we need to throughout our day. The reason you go to the prayer room is to take the time to settle down, to show God we want to hear from him. It helps to shut out the busyness of this world and unwind. You will truly feel like these kittens. And then she posted this picture. Going into the prayer room and coming out of the prayer room. And you know what's fun about that is that that's true. It's just true. For those of you who have who've come and spent time in the prayer room, man, there's times when we come in and we're not feeling really connected with God, you know, but we spend time alone with him and all of a sudden, man, he just empowers us. He answers those requests. He encourages us and we have new life and we walk out different than we came in. So I'd encourage you guys to... Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.